Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I love Welcome, everyone, to Rock M Radio Podcast. Uh, this is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We're on season six, episode 23 and we're here to talk all about your Missouri Tigers and their basketball program and you heard that right remember last podcast I mentioned we were uh, going back to the old rock and radio rebranding um, the podcast is leaving uh, SB Nation and, and the Vox umbrella uh, we'll have more information on that coming uh, in the days ahead in the meantime uh, it is rock and radio back to rock and radio I am your host Sam Snelling with me, as always, from the plains of Indiana, stuck uh, amongst many a Hoosier Boilermaker fan. Uh, Hoosiers claiming uh, supremacy this year. Matt, despite the lower lower ranking, uh, Matt Harris, how are you? I'm doing well, and uh, you know I'm glad we're going back to the Rock M monitor. Sad that Vox is experiencing uh, the ramifications of a downward turn in the advertising business. Um, Sad, but we'll continue to soldier on. And otherwise, I'm feeling like Charlie Kelly uh, over here trying to untangle and uh, explain the intricacies of the net rankings, to which, after many hours under the hood, I can summarize as, it's a ripoff of Kempom, people. It's it's just a ripoff of Kempom. What's the mix? It's like if you bought, like, a car and you bought the XL model, and they tried to talk you into, like, the limited model, which has, like, just a few more doodads thrown on, but it's, like, 20% markup. That That's what the net is. It's just got a bunch of crap you don't need when, really, 
It's just Gimpom with a few more fancy, unnecessary, superfluous things. So that's what I did today. Okay. Un- untangled the net. You untangled the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. For anybody who's uh, interested, the and I, I'm assuming that you're at least somewhat interested if you're listening to this podcast because then you're probably following our work a little bit. Um, the study hall algos are roughly the same as as Ken Pomeroy. Uh, clearly, I'm not um, inputting every team everywhere across the country. I'm not adjusting for opponent. I'm not doing anything like that. Uh, but I am giving you the efficiency metrics based upon each game um and the, like the same algos that that Kempom uses i use um so at least in, in calculating possessions your you know how you're going to figure out your offenses uh offensive and defense defensive efficiency uh and so that's that's i think at least a helpful starting point i i did sort of tweak things once took over study hall from from bill who uh bill actually used uh, the classic NBA model. Yeah, he used um, Dean Oliver, I think, is what he used. Yeah, so Dean Oliver's uh, weights, which uh, is what the NBA uses, uh, basically just weights things a little bit differently, like a, a free throw, for example. I believe it's like 0.44 yeah, versus like port 0.475. Yeah. Uh, just get, gives you like a little bit of a, a, a higher weight for the college game, which tends to have more free throws. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, we're coming off a a good week of basketball for for Missouri. After a bad week of basketball uh, for the Tigers last week, they they you know got trounced by Auburn and and got beat at home by Texas A and M. Uh, they welcomed Mississippi State and won an overtime game uh, on the the back of their five foot ten inch point guard. Um, Nick Honor buried a three in the face of, you know, six foot ten inch Tolu Smith, uh, to to give the Tigers the margin of uh, victory that they 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 could use to hold on, and then uh, they went on the road to Athens, Georgia, and spanked uh, George Bulldogs in the second half. Um, they were down by one point at halftime, and and it was just a a slaughter in the second half. Um, when we were overall, both, when we were gra- grateful week. to see, yeah, we were grateful to see the second half. You know, sportsmanship, and we'll we'll get into this later on as to why it mattered. But we were grateful to see Missouri just set sportsmanship aside and drub the crap out of the Bulldogs. It was it was a welcome uh, blowout, especially you know I think the projected margin in that game across like all the respective uh, algos was I think like plus three, somewhere in there, plus three or plus 3.5. Missouri more than exceeded that, and it jumped nine spots in Kimpom. Um, that's the kind of movement you want to see if you want to try and uh, you know get some momentum going towards improving the seed line. So that was good to see. Um, otherwise, Mississippi State was a game they needed to win. Um, more so, just it, it, I don't know if it necessarily helped the resume in that it was like a quad 2-1. It's still going to sit there kind of, as a solid quad two resume, I don't think the Bulldogs, barring a really good final weekend run in Nashville, are going to get to quad one. But that was when you needed to get to eight wins, stop a skid, and you needed it so you could go into Georgia and really get to 500. You know, we talked about last week, you know, Missouri's 
goal first and foremost was to get to 500. The bubble this year is not good. Normally, 10 SEC wins, you know, is enough. You know, nine might be the case this year. I would still want to get 10 or 11. And we'll talk about why 11 would be preferable later. But to get to 500 with their strength of record, you know, with still no losses in quad two, three, and four, you know, last week was, I think, about taking the worst case scenario off the table. You know, for now, you know, if they lose out the rest of the way, we'll talk about it again. But, you know, the in recent weeks there have been some, there's been some bubbly anxiety and Missouri's managed to come out a couple of times and just squash it. So I think that was sort of the big takeaway of the week. They did what an NCAA tournament team needed to do, a team that should be in the field. They went out, they got wins they needed, they beat it, they won a toss-up game at home, and then they drubbed an inferior team on the road. That's what you do if you're an NCAA tournament team. And, and Missouri lived up to that sort of hopeful billing. And uh, just for clarity's sake, when you say get to 500, you mean they equaled the win total necessary to stay at 500 even if they lost out. So yeah. They, like, they, they got to 9 and 7. They got to 9 wins, which yeah. means they will be at worst 500 uh, Five hundred uh, going into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, yeah, we, we did sort of say uh, they could probably be okay if they went 1-1. One and one. Um, you know, this week, I think at this point, uh, going two and zero gives them some leeway with these last two games. You, I mean, you don't want to lose to either <laughs> LSU on the road or or <laughs> Ole Miss at home. Um, but you can sort of brush aside though, you know, that loss because it would, you know, if you go one and one this week, uh, then then you are kind of at a point where you you're basically sitting there with just one uh you know q2 q3 uh q4 loss which you know not a lot of teams um can sort of boast that and that i think that would still probably have missouri in that sort of eight nine range yeah yeah um but yeah i mean like it's it's a it's a productive week you know mississippi state is is a is a pretty tough matchup for a team like missouri um yeah they guard the hell out of you they are physical. They're big, strong dudes. They're not particularly skilled offensively, um, but you know they'll they'll kind of they'll kind of mash you and just hurl themselves at the rim and and try to get some matter of points that way. Um, they hit you know a few kind of early threes, and it's like one of those things where you're thinking, oh boy, like this is <laughs> this is kind of like going to be one of those games where like a terrible three-point shooting team uh you know like just shows up and 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 wins because Missouri can't seem to stop anybody and sure enough like they they cooled off uh quite a bit Missouri was able to kind of seize that uh that momentum in the second half um you know clearly things didn't quite go the way that they needed uh down the stretch of the regulation yeah the last four um, possessions were 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 not uh an exercise in glory there for, for Missouri. Yeah. Not not it's, not salting a game away. Uh oh boy. Miss miss free throws, miss layups, uh just some leaving the opportunity on on and it, really at that point I sort of felt like once they got to overtime, I was really I was really pretty worried. Yeah. That yeah. They were they were they were gonna they were gonna piss it away. Um and they didn't really you know, I think it, it comes down to 
you know, Nick Honor, uh, obviously heavy, hitting two big shots. Noah Carter, I thought, you know, like th- that three that he hit was was just as important um, because I, I think it then put more pressure on Mississippi State, which at that point, like, they hadn't really had the pressure uh, in the game because they were chasing Missouri. And yeah. I, you know, I think that's, um, you know, that's when – to me, like the pressure shifted a little bit, and and Missouri was able to uh, uh, to get Nick Honor free, and yeah, it's a it's an important win. It's another you know sort of like improbable sort of situation where uh, I guess now that's like three games where you're basically hitting a shot to uh, to win the game. Um, thought uh, Trey Gamillion's return to the lineup. Um, he's been really impactful yeah, getting, the last two. Yeah, like getting getting rebounds, defending hard, you know, being an effort guy, um, really, really important for this team. Um, you know, and also just adding another body to to like the depth. Yeah. Because you know, they've been thin for a while. Yeah. And and it sort of it, it helps when they can you know, they can run a an extra wave of bodies and, and they <laughs> weren't weren't really able to do that for, for several weeks, you know, with, yeah. with Trey out and obviously the ongoing Isaiah Mosley situation. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was nice to get those guys back. Nice to see, you know, Noah Carter and Nick Honor both kind of break out of some slumps. Um, and I think their late shot-making kind of propelled them into the, uh, you know, the Georgia game where, where, where both those guys were, were both really good. Yeah, I thought... Against Mississippi State, you know, Watkins and I sort of got into it a little bit in the verdict last week. To me, you know, the Illinois game defensively was really great because I think Missouri was, you know, did a great job with its defensive setup in terms of, you know, back in that game of sort of slowly escalating the pressure. I thought they did a nice job Thursday night or last Tuesday night of sort of adapting again. You know, in Starkville, they... You know, they really just sort of said, hey, it's solo duty in the post. We're going to send some baseline help, but we're we're going to kind of keep a little bit of some, some closer mind on some shooters on the perimeter. Tuesday, they sold out to, to really keep Tolu off his real estate. They really did a good job. Everybody did of, you know, being just maniacal about fronting, three-quarter fronting. The ball pressure was better. You know, they did a much better job, I think, in terms of, I think, tweaking the direction of help. They shortened the distance. They had a guy help down. They would send guys to dig. It just seemed like, you know, I think when you and I talked about the Mississippi State game the first go-round, it was that sort of help that we wanted to see them give and that sort of setup. And Missouri seemed to really embrace that the second time around. And the early jumpers that were going, I think, were sort of Missouri again and, you know, making it, you know, a considered risk thereof we know that Mississippi State can't shoot the ball off the catch they're better when they play off Tolu feeding them or they're able to cut off of it well if you can't feed Tolu and you can't play off him as a hub you're, you're going to have to start settling for stuff you're going to have to start taking jumpers that are guarded or if they are open they're going to be late clock not necessarily in rhythm shots and in the second half those shots didn't fall for Mississippi State Trey Gamillion, great job just selling out, you know, not he got some offensive looks, but that dude was just all over the place. If he wasn't getting a rebound, he was getting a deflection. He was tipping. He was doing 
everything he could to help Missouri keep that edge, you know, keep it close on the glass. And, you know, I think as I wrote, you know, we all talk, we all think, you know, the rebounding and the defensive issues are because they're small. And to me, the question really has always been, it's team defense. You know, Noah Carter was playing the five when Missouri had its best success on Tolu Smith because he was doing his work early. He wasn't letting Tolu get to his spots. He was fronting really hard. He was making it hard to get an entry pass in. If they switched off, the guards were just... I really think you got to give credit to guys like Sean East and Des Moines Hodge. Those guys were fighting for their lives to stay in front of a guy to not let a high-low happen. And then when a shot goes up, you know, because of how Missouri switches and how they're set up, everybody's got a board. And Trey Gamillion embodied that. So I think that was just what was impressive to me was that's the kind of effort you want to see from this group defensively. Yeah, it's great when they force turnovers. Yes, it's great when they turn offense and defense. But that level of sort of engagement, that level of connectivity, that level of effort of everybody going to the glass, I think, was my big takeaway. And offensively, I thought they got a lot of what they wanted. You know, they what they struggled was in the half court. Was, I mean, was in transition in some early clock. They were getting one to one point one points per possession in the half court. They were able to run what they wanted. They were getting the looks they wanted. Didn't get one late at the rim with Kobe, but I really thought they got a little bit more of what they wanted in this game offensively. I thought they did a better job, too, of really just saying, hey, we're going to space you, we're going to put your bigs out, and we're going to try and just play out a five out and just see what we can do with it. And they really, really excelled at it. So I think the best way to sum it up is it seemed more like Missouri in the second game. It didn't feel like they made the compromises to their identity that they did in the first one, and they got a result out of it. And then, and I think that that's sort of the biggest thing is this team is, when they've needed a result, when they've needed an outcome, they've managed to find the execution and the ability to dig deep and get it. And I, I think that was just sort of demo- demonstrated again on Tuesday night, Saturday. You know, you, you talked about it before the pod, and you've talked about it before. If you if you don't have your bolts tightened down here and you aren't engaged if you aren't ready to go, this team will tear you apart. And they did that to Mississippi State in the second. They did that to Georgia in the second half. Georgia just was not valuing the ball, not making good decisions, you know, lazy passes, you know, not crisp passes, not crisp cutting, you know, not being careful on the ball, and Missouri ate them alive. And, the, you know, as you mentioned, the shooting mojo carried over, but Georgia opened the door for them there, and Missouri gladly decided to step through it. So I thought that was impressive too was – you know, Missouri, you know, going on the road, having an opportunity, you know, doing something we wanted to see all year, which is seize that and really put a team down. They did that. So I, I think that's what was nice about last week is we saw some of the things I think we've been waiting a while to see from this group. Yeah, I mean, it always helps when you go into another team's building and, and make half your threes. Yeah, that, um, that'll do. I think one of my favorite <laughs> stats from uh, that I was able to sort of pull out of uh, study hall was so Missouri missed their their first six, and they also missed their last uh, their last three. So it was nine missed threes that that book ended, uh. which mean uh, <laughs> they they basically made fourteen of nineteen uh, outside of that, which is like seventy three percent, I think. That's Dame Lillard um, numbers, man. Dame Lillard numbers. <laughs> that's, that's that's just an insane shooting streak. Um, and you know, like that, I we were kind of talking. Like it really just felt that 
you know, essentially Missouri very early on uh, figured that that they were going to be able to get what they wanted offensively against Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, you could just see some of the ball movement plays that they got some really open looks, easy dunks, stuff like that in the first half. Ton of overload looks, ton of ability yeah, to play off I, the weak side. And, you know, they would just make the extra pass, make the extra pass, and next thing you know, there's this guy wide open underneath the basket. And it's like, all right, if if we're able to do that, um, then the only thing that was keeping Georgia in the game was the fact that they, they shot the ball well in the first half. Missouri uh, was they a little were still... loose, too. Missouri was a little loose with it at times, too. Well, yeah, it's a, you know, Georgia, I, I want to say, like, had... Nine or ten turnovers in the first half. Missouri was like at seven, mm-hmm. I think, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um. You know, but the, 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 they were basically doing to Georgia in the first half what, like, you kind of expect them to, which you know, get some turnovers. Only difference was Georgia was making their threes, which stopped. Um, yeah. So sure, there's a little bit of a gamble when you, uh, you know, you're gonna find out if, uh, like. Mardrez McBride can can make seven of ten, and you know he he wasn't able to make seven of ten, and he made four of ten. But you know the good news is is I mean he was the only guy that really shot the ball well. I think Cario Kendo made his first three, yeah. and he's he's a he's a terrible shooter, yeah. Um, and then missed his next three. So you know it's just one of those things like there is a little bit of a gamble to see if they'll stop making shots. They did. They started. Or they they didn't start. They continued to turn the ball over, uh, and and Missouri started making their threes. But yeah, you know, I think the big thing about them making their threes is they were shots of. Uh, I mean, they were mostly good shots, mostly open shots, yeah. uh, and they were already getting pretty much whatever they wanted at the rim. So, you know, whether or not they were making those threes, like they still were, would have probably outpaced Georgia by you know, 10 or 15 points just by attacking the rim. Yeah, they, Watkins and I, I think both tried to note, you know, during and after the game that halftime, the halftime adjustment was, they really just sent, normally they have a guy that would kind of, if you're overloading, they'd put a guy in the slot. Missouri has a tendency to either have their guy, usually Kobe, if there's a hard double skip out of it. Well, they just sent that guy on a 45 cut to shorten the gap, to shorten the distance of the pass. So you can't have a ball that can get tipped in the air. And they just have a guard fill behind. So you either get a 45 cut to the rim, which was there anyway. I mean, Georgia was giving up cuts galore. So, okay, you can you can hit a cutter for a high percentage rim two. If he gets cut off by help, okay, well, you pitch it behind, and there's Demoy Hodge who's coming off and getting into his shot. So they, they made some adjustments in the second half, I think, too, that you know, still let them be aggressive, still let them exploit Georgia's overload, but kind of took the risk factor down. And, you know, once that happened, you know, Georgia had to go to a one-three-one press, which was poorly executed, and that was just like dumping lighter fluid on, you know, what was already, a, you know, just a trash fire. It was just not good, and it sort of accelerated things a little bit. And I think we hit garbage time at, like, seven minutes left. It was – that's the first time Missouri spent that much – that long, you know, with the game sort of decided in, in a couple of weeks. So that was disheartening. You know, I, I felt like they, they did what they wanted to do. They got what they wanted most of the day. And, you know, it, it's just the result. You, you sort of want to see a team that comes out, gets what it wants, knows who it is, and, and executes it. 
Now can they do it two more times this week? Because there's opportunities for this team, you know, against you know, two teams that I think are fighting for 12th and 13th right now. It, or is uh, LSU still in the basement? I had I had checked the standing. It's 13th and 14th. It's 13th and 14th. Um, yeah, and so one, they're, and they're one basically... Doesn't, and one fired its coach last week. Yeah, Ole Miss beat LSU on Saturday, which put them at 3-13. and 13. LSU is at 2-14. and 14. Oh, yeah, you were a sicko and uh, watched S- that one. South Carolina. Uh, I actually, I did. I watched a little bit of the, the end of the game, just more out of morbid curiosity. Um, South Carolina is still 3-13. and 13. Yep. Um so it like those three teams are going to finish somewhere in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of you know who finishes where. I think uh, so. Ole Miss plays uh, Texas A and M uh, and and then at Missouri uh, this week. Ew, that ain't good for them. Uh, right. So you know, like that's. Probably looking like a team that's going to finish, you know, three and fifteen. Uh, hopefully, um, LSU um, they get a flag a whole lot better. Like they do get Missouri at home. Uh, Florida is in a bit of a tailspin um, without Colin Castleton. They're just not quite the same team. Uh, they kind of struggle to stop people around the rim. Um, defense has really kind of fallen off. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, that that's a game where, you know, it could get interesting if LSU decides they want to show up and play hard. And, you know, KJ Williams is a guy who, you know, he's, he's tough for, for, you know, teams to yeah, that was my thought. defend and, uh, and yeah, Florida doesn't really have a guy who can, can stop him at this point. So it'll be sort of interesting. Um, and then South Carolina has, uh, Mississippi state and Georgia, um, the Georgia game is at least at home, so maybe they could kind of get that game. Georgia's also in a bit of a tailspin. Yeah. Um. So, it, but yeah, those three teams are going to be the three bottom teams. It's looking like Georgia is going to be the 11 seed. The 11 seed. Florida uh, could still get there. Mississippi State could still get there. Um, if things break badly for them. But point is, this is a week where if you're Missouri. The margin right now, I think they're forecast to win by like four or five in Baton Rouge. If you want to go out and do what you did against LSU, greatly appreciate it. If you want to beat the margin by 17, absolutely outstanding. <laughs> Please do that. If you want to, you know, beat Ole Miss by 30, triple up the margin. Please do it because those things, those wins alone by the forecast and margin aren't going to help the team sheet being absolutely ruthless and stopping these teams to death is and running up big margins can help this team. It, it it's that's how you offset some heavy losses to better teams earlier in the schedule. You just absolutely go out and trounce people when you have the opportunity. They moved up three or four spots alone just off beating the margin against Georgia. You know, Ole Miss and LSU are in the same kind of range of net. So if you do that again, you can get two or three spots each time. You'll be in the low 40s, or in the high 40s, I should say, um, when you go to the SEC tournament. And if you blow teams out this week, they're solidly on the eight line. I think I could see some bracketologists and some forecasters saying 
all right, they're playing well, they're overperforming, let's move them to the seven. If you go to Nashville at 11 and seven, high 40s in Kim Palm, and with a double buy, there's an opportunity to really, really help yourself for t- over two, over Friday and Saturday in Nashville. So I think that's that's what this week is about. It's about blowing two teams away to give yourself an opportunity to really boost your seed next week. So that's, you know, the games themselves, we've previewed the two teams. We both know they're bad. Kermit Davis and all our coaches at Ole Miss. Um, you know, there's an interim there. You got to just put these two teams down and put them down hard because next week is about really helping yourself. If you can get to Nashville and do what you need to do this week, it's, it's, there's an opportunity. So uh, LSU is coming off a one-in-one week. They won for the first time in 2023. Um, Let's go. They beat Vanderbilt last week. Um, would not have guessed I, that. I kind, of, I kind of told you, like, I was, I was happy. You know, it's wild too, because like Vandy has been know, on one. <laughs> Vandy, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, six there last seven. The one loss was at LSU. Just absolutely brutal there. Um, but yeah, so like that's a game where. You know, I, I I do sort of feel like LSU is still kind of playing hard. Um, you know, they're they're just not very good and not, you know, not not very uh, connected. You know, but they've they've got some they've got a decent roster. So he's been playing uh, Jalen Reed more. Um, Jalen Reed's their sort of like was he a four star five star? Yeah, he, um, yeah. They've been giving more time to him and Tyrell Ward lately. They're kind of their two big tent pole guys moving forward. Um, Ward's I think a, you know, a former top fifty kid, um, and uh, Jalen Reed's also a really, really good player. Um, but they've been giving more time to those two at the three and the four to try and I think seed the ground for them to get ready to move in next year and and play a little bit more um, and sort of occupy those spots. So uh, seeing less Trey Hannibal, less Justice Williams, more of you know, Derek Fountain still playing, you know probably in the top three lineups for him, but he's splitting more time with Jalen Reed now. So the two freshmen into the lineup now playing heavier minutes. Um, Justice Hill still running the point for them. KJ Williams still really, really good. Um, if he would like to, if he still has another COVID year or would like to use it, please come north. Um, Adam Miller has really struggled this year, just not shooting the ball efficiently the way that I think a lot of people hoped for him coming back off the knee injury. It's not been quite what people hoped. Um, Justice Hill's not, you know, anywhere close to what people thought he would be. Just really the, the point, the guard play hasn't translated. I think a lot of people thought it would, you know, for this team. And KJ Williams has done what he's needed to do, but the backcourt was expected to be the driver for this group, and it hasn't happened. So they've, to bring it back, they've decided to maybe start investing some more minutes in younger guys that are going to have to be core components for them moving forward. It's crazy idea. It's, it's nutty. <laughs> Getting young guys floor time. So yeah, so I would say like that's that's probably a trickier game. Mm. Um, you know, because I I I do think like they're they're still playing connected. Uh, I am on the record when it comes to Ole Miss as as kind of being a little pissed off that they fired Kermit during the season the way that they did. 
Because I, I think when you make that move, you do it because the team is is losing the plot. And they fought uh, hard at Auburn before they fired him. They, they, they took Mississippi State to to overtime the the game before yeah. that. Like so, you know, very clearly, you know, and I heard uh, I don't know, I was listening to 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 Blake, our friend of the pod, Blake Level. Um, he and and Chris Lee have a show on YouTube uh, that I will sometimes listen to while I'm working and. Um, and they were kind of saying that, you know, it's possible maybe Ole Miss wanted to, you know, sort of save themselves in case Ole Miss kind of won a couple games here late, uh, you know, cause they fired him coming back for a game against LSU. Uh, you know, clearly that's a winnable game. Uh, then they had a home game against Texas A&M, you know, God forbid if they, they'd have won that game. Now Kermit's suddenly on a two game winning streak. If they <laughs> were able to go on the road and then you know beat Missouri and, and actually like finish the season like three wins in a row then the, you're like oh well now he's got momentum you can't fire him I'm like that's that's complete he'd have been five baloney. and he'd have been five and 13 <laughs> right? it's like it reminded me of like so many you know Missouri seasons under Kim Anderson when you know like they would they would win a game late and they're like oh well if they you know kind of win this game and then that game and, you know, maybe, like, you can kind of get momentum. You can see where this thing's going. I'm like, hey, like, he's never won more than three conference games in a season. Like, what are we doing? We're not – it's not moving forward. And and I think ultimately as an athletic director, regardless of, of if you have late season wins, you like, what Kermit has done in the last five years has just been not good enough. I mean, that's that's your body of work, not two weeks in the season – let him finish out the year. His team is still playing hard. Let him finish out the year. Or maybe you do what Missouri did with Commanderson and like, you know, going into the SEC tournament, you say, look, we you know, mutual parting of ways. There you go. Yeah. And uh I mean the thing about it here is they've they went six and twelve, his second year on the job, four and fourteen year three. If even if he had one out, they'd have been five and thirteen this year. He's got two ten and eight seasons other than that. There's a good recruiting class coming next year. I, th- you know, Josh Hubbard's in that class. They've got some guys that are that are going to be good players for them. This current freshman class, I think, had some really, really nice, you know, components. They in have it. good talent on the roster. The, like, the roster. Brakefield's a good player. Like, Jamie, Amari Abrams like is a good player. Matt Morrell is a good player. <laughs> They've got talent here. Like this is the most talented roster. This talent, in terms of raw talent, this blows away anything that Andy Kennedy ever had. And so yeah. if if Kermit's like, look at the talent I have coming in, my response would have been, and? Look Just at the talent you, gonna... you have. <laughs> You've got choice ingredients still getting barely scratch cooking out of it. So it's... And I, I uh, always, and I I said this, you know, when Kim Anderson was coaching, I said it when Conzo Martin was coaching, um... You know, whatever your situation is, you never, ever, ever hire a coach based upon recruit. You or decide to keep a guy fire, off a three-game sample. Right. Like, you, you hire and fire a guy who you think is right to lead the program. And this goes, like, to, you know, guys who are, like, have an interim job as well. Like, if you're the interim coach, it's like the whole Texas situation. You know, if, if, if Texas feels Rodney Perry is the right guy to lead the program into the future, they should hire him. If they don't, no matter what Texas does this year, they should hire somebody else. Like, 
Rodney Perry, we appreciate your effort this year. We appreciate all you've done. We're like, we're going in a different direction. Uh, and so I think like you, you have to have the same approach. It doesn't matter who, who, you know, Kermit Davis or even for that matter, like, you know, this is a, a, a discussion with, uh, you know, when Kentucky was struggling too, it was just like, oh, well, like, is there a way they can get rid of Cal? Like, oh, well, you can't look at the recruiting class he's bringing in. It's like, so what? <laughs> like, you either believe Cal will get it done or you don't. And I know that there's a lot of Kentucky fans who were sure that he was not the right guy and he was losing the plot. And now Kentucky is uh, in third place. Top 25 in net. T- top 25 in net. Everything's, you know, back on track. They, they're looking like a dangerous team. They, oh, and a, and the top recruiting class in the country coming in next year. Yeah. Just a little. Cal's, Cal's fine, people. He's fine. He's he's a little delayed. The You can be upset about the March Madness performances the past couple of years. Like, that's frustrating. I, I won't dispute that. But somewhere between, like, late December and early January or early February, his teams find their identity. They find the right rotation. They find the right sort of, you know, structure offensively and defensively. And they start beaking. Now, can they carry that into March? We'll see. But Ole Miss is not in that situation. They are just trying to limp uh, into Nashville. If you're Missouri, it's it's a game where I, I think on Saturday you don't want to look past it at all. There's an opportunity to to really, really be assertive there. And Missouri does have something at stake, which, you know, it seems like a natural sort of pivot point. If they go 2-0 this week, they will finish 11-7 and in conference. There is a whole lot of um, fun game theory you can do. You can destroy an entire pad, legal pad uh, gaming out scenarios here, but Missouri can finish as high as third in the standings. Um, that takes a little bit of help from Kentucky, but getting to fourth in that last double buy, a little bit more uh, attainable. Missouri has to go 2-0, and and they need Tennessee basically to go 1-1. One and one. And that you know, that puts a double buy on the table. So if you're Missouri, you can avoid, you know, playing a quad three game in Nashville by just beating two quad three teams this week. You can be done with it. You go to Nashville, you don't play until Friday. And the added benefit is that first game you play is probably a bona fide quad one, potentially a quad one A game. So if you want to help your seating, you can do that. You can get an extra day's rest and get a and get a resume booster all in once. So there's some clear stakes for this group as they as they get ready to go. So uh, yeah, quick quick rundown of the standings and uh, sort of what lies ahead here. We kind of covered the bottom of the conference, but I, like none of that really matters. Like we know the three teams finishing at the bottom. Missouri ain't playing on Wednesday. We know that. Uh, it is still possible for Texas A&M to win the league. Um. Alabama's 15 and 1. Their remaining games are home game against Auburn and then they go play at Texas A&M. If they lose to Auburn, uh that game at Texas A&M could be um for all the marbles the top overall seed. Um so I would it would probably behoove Alabama to go ahead and take care of business against Auburn. That also helps Missouri if they do that. Um because Auburn is uh in a in that sort of tie for fifth with Mizzou and Vanderbilt. Um, all three teams are nine and seven. 
Uh, Auburn has at Alabama and and a home game versus Tennessee. So the the rematch against Tennessee. Uh, if Auburn goes one and one, and Missouri goes two and zero, oh, they will uh, be ahead of Auburn. That looks pretty likely that Auburn at least goes one and one. Could still go zero and two. Um, I would say it's a long shot that they would go two and zero. Oh. Yep. Vandy, uh, they have they are at Kentucky. Um, a very tough road game. And then they have a home game against Mississippi State. That's one of those games where uh, who knows what's going to happen because Mississippi State can guard the hell out of you, but they also can't score. Vandy's pretty good offensively. Um, that's a you know, that Liam, Liam Robbins, Tolu Smith matchup is a good one. That's a low-key one. I would Good game to watch this weekend. Mississippi State's also going to be really, really desperate to get to 500 and get out of yeah. that last four in last four by range towards last four by this is a big week for state even maybe not in the standings but for them 500 is a big big deal for them they need both wins this week so mississippi state vandy look ahead to saturday if you got time check in on that one that that's going to be a a really 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 important one on the bubble yeah but continue mississippi state's uh first game is against south carolina at home mm-hmm. that's almost certain to be a a win uh a, a win um okay so we've got uh Alabama, Texas A&M uh, has a uh, a game at Ole Miss and then uh, home against Alabama. So a game they should win at Ole Miss. Uh, and, and then rooting hard for Auburn. A really, really big opportunity for them to, to beat Alabama. Sure. Kentucky's in third, 11-5. and five. The only way uh, for Mizzou to reach third is for Kentucky to uh, to lose out and for Tennessee to go uh, one and one Yep. Um, Kentucky is home against Vandy and then at Arkansas. So they should beat Vanderbilt, um, at home at Arkansas is a tough game. Yeah. Arkansas has been playing a lot better. Uh, the hogs are currently eight and eight, um, with their schedule, they are at Tennessee and, and, uh, home against Kentucky. So pretty tough sled, uh, for them to, uh, to, to get to 10 and eight. Um, it's possible. But, um, yeah, that's 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 a lot to ask. I, I I think probably more likely for them to find a way to be one and one, and I think they're still safely in the yeah. NCAA tournament. Yeah. If you if you look at the forecast here, it's got Kentucky splitting, so that's twelve and six. That takes third off the board. So one first and second obviously out way too far back for that. Third seems like you're going to need Kentucky to go over this week, and they're playing well. Vandy, you know, has to come in there. So I wouldn't rule out Vandy's playing well as well, but it. I think Kentucky gets the split there. So I would say twelve and six for them. So that, yeah, and it's it, it is also like important on the the Vandy thing. Um, like two of those wins are over Florida. Uh, one without Colin Castleton. Um, he was hurt in the first mess. I think. What, was he? Did, was that the game he got hurt in? I think that was the one he got hurt in. Was against Vandy in the first meeting. Um, but continue. So yeah, so uh, yeah, so I was basically gonna say like they beat Ole Miss at home, they beat Tennessee at home. That was the the buzzer beater. Um, they beat Florida on the road again without Castleton. They beat South Carolina, then they beat Auburn at home. 
uh, which, you know, I, I think consists of a, a, a solid win. They then lost to LSU on the road uh, and then beat a Colin Castleton-less Florida team at home. Um, so that slate versus beating Kentucky at home is is a little bit different. Yeah. Maybe they have confidence. They, they've certainly uh, certainly earned the right to be a little confident with the games that they're winning. Um, but it it wasn't exactly running through Murderer's Row. No, I, I think a lot of people will say that that Tennessee kind of coughed that game up, sort of like they did against Missouri. Um, you know, so it's very very easily uh, or easy for them to sort of be uh, like the eight and eight mark um, if if that result flips. Uh, and then after that, like you're really only looking at Auburn as 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 their good win. Yeah. Um, Essentially, like a lot of like these SEC runs come down to just how things are scheduled for you, <laughs> and we always knew like this this back end of Missouri schedule was going to be softer, uh, and so I would be skeptical that that Vandy is going to be able to beat Kentucky the way Kentucky is playing. Yeah, I am really really interested to see what happens with them at Mississippi State. Yeah, um, but. I don't. I don't think they're going to factor into the seating. Um, but it all. I mean, it, it all could be for nothing if Missouri goes on the road and loses to LSU. Yeah. Yeah. So the the way it's shaking out here is Tennessee's got a really really tough trip to Auburn. That's the one I think Missouri fans are going to be watching. You know, along with you know the the game against Ole Miss, a split for Tennessee puts them at eleven and seven. That's that's on the table. That's feasible for them uh, right now. Tennessee has uh, Arkansas at home uh, on Tuesday night or on Wednesday night, I think. Let me I'm going back to check here. Uh, tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, the game that Missouri fans will probably want to tune into is Tennessee-Arkansas. That is in Knoxville. If Arkansas gets the win there, it's already taken care of. What you want to hope happens is Tennessee, you know, you know, takes out Auburn because that wouldn't sort of remove Auburn from the equation there. Or maybe Auburn takes itself out with a loss to to Alabama. But Tennessee's got to lose a game this week somewhere. They got two tough games. So if they can get to 11-7, if Auburn splits, Vanderbilt splits, that's two teams at 10-8. and eight. Missouri then is left alone with Tennessee at 11-7 where the tiebreaker comes in. They get fourth, Tennessee gets fifth. That would be a rematch next Friday in Nashville in the first game. Oof. Big one, too, because Tennessee's net rating has not tanked. Even though they've struggled lately, they have such a huge buffer with their efficiency margin that that is a quad 1A game next week. That is one that will juice your resume. If you can get that one being Tennessee twice, not going to be easy, but if you can do it, that's a helper. If you beat Tennessee, you get Alabama on Saturday, most likely, assuming Alabama holds up and gets over the line. Whatever happens Sunday is pretty much irrelevant. The the bracket is mostly done by Saturday. What you care about is Friday and is the Friday night game, and hopefully playing Alabama early enough on Saturday and getting a win there to notch two quad one wins that will get you to seven on the year. That's an I think it would get a four or five in quad one A. That's enough with some blowouts this week. You now Watkins and I have looked at it a little bit that where you could start talking about a six or a seven seed instead of getting 
stuck in that 8-9 spot where they've been. So for Missouri, the double bye really is they get a day's rest. They don't have to play. You know, right now the number 12 seed would be South Carolina, I think. And, you know, you don't have to play Mississippi or South Carolina on, you know, Thursday and then come back the next day and get a fresh Tennessee. You're not having to try and get three wins in three days. So yeah. it's there, there's a benefit to the double bye here. You avoid another quad three game that's not really going to help you, and you can get two quad two games on on decent rest. So that's that's the that's the uh, that's what you want to do this week. Go two and zero and kick the crap out of people doing it. And uh, another sort of benefit, um, you know, if if you go two and zero and you are able to get to the four seed, uh, you're pretty much not very. At least you're not very likely. Uh, to have to face somebody um, that would not be a quad one game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still possible that, you know, whoever, like if Tennessee's the five and they play South Carolina. Gigi goes off. Um, yeah, it's, it's entirely possible you get South Carolina. But then you also get South Carolina on the third game in three days. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, for, you know, for a Missouri team that likes to, to play with some pace. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's just, that's one of the, like the advantages, like, Ideally, you get Tennessee in that situation, you know, because it's uh, it's a game where you know the worst case scenario is you have quad one loss, um, you know. But I, it just seems like there's a lot on the table for Missouri right now. Uh, yeah. It starts absolute starts with going uh, to Baton Rouge and doing what you have to do, uh, getting out of there with the win by a lot of points better, uh, but just don't lose. I yeah. think that's that's the, the bigger thing is you want to make sure you get that win. You you get to two and zero this week. You're four uh, for four in your last uh, you know the end of the the season here gets you to eleven and seven. Let the rest of the chips fall where they uh, they will. I think if you're eleven and seven, even with a quad win loss, they could look at strength the record enough and maybe give you the seven. Probably unlikely, but uh, yeah. Um, I I just think. You want to get to eleven and seven. You want to get that double bike, so at least gives you a, a a shot. Yeah, they're the efficiency metrics aren't as good as this team as this comparison I'm about to make. But uh, back in 2019, Auburn had a similar record to Missouri. You know, got to I think a five seed. They were eleven and seven. Went on won the won the conference tournament. They came into that tournament I think ebbing closer to the seven line. They got to a five. So winning the conference tournament for them was worth two seed lines. If Missouri goes there as an eight, um, the difference is now with net and how they've sort of done things. Championship week held in the last couple of years has been less impactful. But point is, there's maybe a seed line or two that Missouri could get out of Nashville if they do what they need to do. So what you want to do is hopefully, you know, take an eight off the table, maybe make a six or seven possible. And, you know, we can talk about the permutations of that, but uh, number seven seeds win about 61% of the time. Number eight seeds only win about 48% of the time in the first round. So, yeah. and number seven seeds have the, if have one of the higher, have the best odds out of that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 group of getting to the Sweet 16. So, I've seen people say, oh, I'd rather be a 10 or 11. Uh, no, you don't. You don't want that because you have a lower odd. You have the lower odds of winning in the first round. You want to be a seven seed. Where you, especially this year, where the two seeds are a little bit weaker, 
So if you get to a seven line, get a decent 10 seed, maybe you have a shot with the right draw. But that that's getting way, way down the line. Just win two games this week. Just get to 11 and seven this week. That is the, the most important thing. Um, just take care of the business that you can take care of. You know, I've been, I've, I think, kind of been saying that for weeks. Uh, you can you can only control how you how you play, and I think at this point Missouri can control, um, you know, getting to eleven and seven in conference, and that just puts them in a in a better better spot overall. Uh, so, you have anything else that we needed to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, not just two minor recruiting tidbits. Um, Chris Parker, Chris Parker, is uh due to announce his commitment on Friday. Uh, that's sort of been one that, you know, a name that's floated around a 2023 prospect that's been out there, what, since like August. Um, as Ree was supposed to take a official visit to Missouri, that never transpired. Has like backed up his commitment twice. Missouri's staff has visited him a couple of times. Uh, they made the final group of four for him. Uh, Alabama, UCF, and Villanova are also in there. He has visited all of those schools, has not visited Missouri. Um, seems like there's some buzz for UCF as the possible landing spot. But he's deciding on Friday. That's one twenty-three prospect. Another uh, 23 prospect is Dennis Evans, a five-star prospect who was committed for a long, long time, signed with, asked out of his NLI from Minnesota. Uh, when I say a project, I mean... A project, great rim protector, but he's seven foot, two hundred five pounds. You got to get him on a ten thousand calorie a day diet. He's also had some injury issues at times, but has all the physical kind of profile of a really, really good rim protector. Missouri reached out to him uh, shortly after he decommitted, um, but it seems like Louisville is in the driver's seat there. So, just a couple of recruiting notes uh, as we get ready to go into March. Uh, at this point, Missouri still seems like it's going to be on four uh, prospects in the 23 class as we get ready to enter uh, portal season in about three weeks. So, uh, yeah, Matt's always uh, got the recruiting notes. Um, there will be a lot of activity once the season wraps up for Missouri as far as kind of figuring out who is going to be on the roster next year. Obviously, we'll have all that covered in the meantime. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, if you like this podcast, you should probably make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you download and listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store. We are on Spotify as well. Uh, if you're subscribed, you get also uh, all the episodes of Before the Box Score beam directly into your phone, and you can listen to Nate and BK discuss all the things about spring game coming up. Spring game. We're getting ready. Uh, head over to rocketnation.com, click on all the things, read all those. We will be back next week um, to talk all of the LSU, Ole Miss, and preview the SEC uh, tournament. Uh, Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at MattJHarris85. You can follow me, if you like, at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, as always, make sure you follow Dana Mizzou. Uh, he's uh, he's turning out great work, too. Um, so we'll be back next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>